Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. And today, Ian and I have for you our top 50s. This is a big board update. We're also going to get into the guys that we just... We couldn't fit into the top 50, but felt like they deserved recognition. This is a class that is so talented from, I would say, 1 to 100, 1 to 120. Like, there are guys who in other classes that are sitting outside of the top 100 that would be legitimate top 50 type guys in some other classes. It's just a, an incredibly talented draft class overall. It's it's incredibly exciting for teams that are that have the draft capital to to try to get a couple of starters in this class. But as always, first I got to ask Ian, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good, and it's the week of Thanksgiving, so of course, want to just shout out to the listeners. Uh, you guys are what we're thankful for here. Uh, I think we the last four or five podcasts on Podbean, we got over 500 downloads, so we're just hoping to keep ramping up as the draft season approaches because that's our priority here is giving you top-notch draft content uh, and seeing who your teams might pick next April, so a long way to go still, but just want to say thanks and hope you guys are enjoying this week, this holiday week. Get some time off, relax. And uh, watch some football on Thursday because that's always the highlight this year. So, but yeah, I'm good, Dalton. Uh, this was a really fun process going through our big board update. Obviously, it can be a little difficult to kind of de- detach during the season and take some time to really update and kind of hone in on that. But had some time to do it this week, and some of the results were surprising. So, we can get into it. Before we like really, really get into it, I, I wanted to ask you who do you think out of this class has the best drip? Like, who, like, when you're watching tape, you're like, this dude. Like the armband, sometimes guys can overdo it. You know, the the visors, there's not a lot of like crazy visor game at the college level. But who do you think has the best drip? It's tough because some guys, sometimes guys mix it up, you know, like when DeMarvian mm-hmm. Overshawn came out, like we all knew, we all knew what, who he was because he had like seven armbands on each arm. Right. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. guy, like I can point that out. I'll be honest. I haven't been keying in on guys who are kind of routinely rolling out the same drip. Uh, so now that I've kind of gotten my rankings down, I need to kind of reach that echelon in my evaluation. So have you noticed a guy that's kind of popped for you? Like this guy's got not a, not a, not a draft guy, but while yeah. I'm watching Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry Arnold, the third cornerback that comes in sometimes when Terry comes into the slot, number nine has amazing drip. I mean, he's like very much like DeMarvian where he's got all the armbands and stuff. Um, and he's really easy to see. And it makes it easy for me to see that Tarion is out of the game mm-hmm. or he's in the slot. Like I know immediately not to look at that right cornerback or left cornerback spot with him. So that's always nice. Um, and it is also nice. We have our own drip here at PFN, okay? PFN Merch Store is now open, and it's just in time for the holiday season, y'all. Visit pfnmerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Act now to take advantage of Black Friday deals and go to pfnmerch.com today. Let's get into it now. What was the most difficult part of this process for you, Ian? I think, um, and we kind of alluded to it when we were talking before the podcast, but for every every range that you have, you have certain ranges like top 50, top 75, top 100, top 150, top 200, top 300. I went to 300 this time. I've got like 370 guys listed so far. I'm trying to increase that each week. Uh, but um, every every time I reach one of those ranges, one of those kind of thresholds, I want to fit more players than I actually can. 
like it's top 150 you can only fit 150 players and i've got like 200 that i really want to fit into that range that was the toughest part for me like trying to delineate all right if i have to rank these guys right which you know it I sit on the fence more than anyone. I hate doing the, I can't, I can't go against my nature, but it's like the, the big board really forces you to make those tough decisions. So at every one of those thresholds, like top 52, you know, I was really hoping to fit more players in. I think this class in particular, and especially with the COVID years, you know, we've seen, you know, last cycle too, there were maybe 75 players worthy of going in the top 50, maybe 120 players worthy of being in the top 100. So, you know, that depth is really tough to manage, but it's also the fun part, kind of, ordering it the way that you want to and seeing how it pans out. That was the toughest part for me. What about you? Stacking these wide receivers. I mean, oh, yeah. It's just not even close. Stacking these wide receivers. And honestly, I had a lot of trouble with the edge rushers as well. Um, it, it's not, in my opinion, it's not the best edge class in the world. But I, I do think that there is a, a lot of potential in this draft class when it comes to edge. And it really makes me wonder and, and kind of reevaluate how I look at the position overall because I think that there's guys – in this draft class where it's like, you know what, I, I think that this guy is a better player right now, but the potential that this guy has and the amount of progression that we've seen with high potential edge rushers at the NFL level, I think that positional coaches, private positional coaches are getting that much better at bringing these guys along quickly at the NFL level. So I'm more uh, keen to go after the high ceiling edge rusher over the guy who I think is better right now and I think that my top 50 reflects that so without further ado let's get into it we're going to go kind of 1 through 10 11 through 20 and kind of talk about what we think is surprising or you know guys we think should be higher guys we think should be lower and then we're going to get into some of the guys that we wish we could have put on the list that missed out in 1 through 10 go all right, so my one through 10, my one through three, I think is pretty much locked in at this point. Marvin Harrison Jr., I regraded him and he scored above a 9.5 on my scale, which is pretty much unheard of. The top yeah. graded pr prospect for me in my three-year window by a sizable margin. So number one for me, number two is Drake May, my QB1. Caleb Williams, a slight edge uh, for QB2. We talked about that a couple podcasts ago. So if you all didn't listen to that, Feel free to check it out. I think we had some great discussion there. Yeah. Um, Joe Alt, number four. Malik Neighbors at five. Brock Bowers at six. Oldu Fashanu at seven. Jerzan Newton at eight. Talise Fuaga at number nine. And then JC Latham at number 10 for me. Dalton, what did you Fuaga over yes. Latham. Yes. Okay. It's finally happened. You finally, mm -hmm. you finally stood on the table and said, Fuwaga has got the he's got the edge. Let me tell you, man, that was a tough one. That was a very tough one. Like I, if I could have them both at nine, I would. I mean, all four of those offensive tackles are just phenomenal prospects, yeah. in my opinion. It's just it's so hard to stack them. But when I really thought about it, I was like, maybe there's maybe he's got an edge there. So yeah. we'll talk about the the depth of that in a little bit. But what did your top ten look like? My top ten is Marvin Harrison Jr.'s number one. Mm -hmm. I, it's not particularly close, and I do not when I'm doing these things. I do not put positional um i don't like really grade super crazy for positional value it's built into my grading scale but i'm not gonna say like the if this guy's got like an 86 grade or, or however it turns out i'm not going to say hey yeah i'm gonna do this because that's how i would draft them in a draft you know what i mean mm -hmm. so like if i have quarterbacks graded 
lower. I'm not going to say, oh, well, they're number one and number two because come draft day, they're going to go number one and number two. That's not how I do things, and I don't think that that's how you do things either, Mm -hmm. or else the quarterbacks would be number one and number two on your board. With that said, I do not have a quarterback in my top three. It is Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, and then Joe Alt, and then it's Olu Fashanu. Drake May comes in at number five. Malik Neighbors is number six, and Caleb Williams is number seven. Number eight is J.C. Latham. Number nine is Keon Coleman. And guys, if you know anything about me and wide receivers, Keon Coleman being this high for me is unheard of because of the type of receiver that he is. Number 10, Jerzon Newton. Newton is, he might be my favorite player in the class, and I am in love with Brock Bowers. It's just that type of, of player, that type of interior pass rusher, it is so much fun for me to watch more than anything. And I love watching safeties and everybody else thinks that they're boring, but I love an interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Jerzon is if his size, like that's really the only thing that graded poorly on the scale for me. And that's only because like, it's just, he can't really control that, right? It's yeah. how he's built, but he's such a good player at that size either way. He can drive power. He's incredibly strong. Like, it's not one of those things where, all right, he's undersized. Let's see if it kind of permeates into other areas of his game and becomes an issue. I don't really think it's an issue. I think he's strong, well leveraged. size isn't bothering me that much anymore because I'm seeing what Kalijah Kansi is doing yeah. at like 260 pounds or whatever he actually weighs. So it, it, it's it's not that much of a bother for me, especially when you show that power aspect in your mm-hmm. game as well, which is what he does. Um, anything stand out to you? Obviously, like the quarterbacks being a little bit lower would probably be surprising but yeah but like i get it right you know there's a lot of i last year i only had two uh, three blue chip prospects uh Bijan, yeah. jalen carter will anderson this year we could have upwards of you know over five for sure i yeah. think i think blue chip non-qbs there's a lot of talent in this class like fuwaga could grade in that range for me latham does mm-hmm. so it's like you know all of those neighbors does as well so you know this class is a lot of high-level blue-chip talent, particularly on the offensive side. But I think Jerzon mm-hmm. could be in that range, too. So that amount of talent, and I kind of grade QBs the same way. Like, I, how I do it at the top is their grade lands them in a certain bracket, and if they are within that bracket, that's where positional value can start to separate, right? So, you know, Williams and May are both in that 8.5 to 8.99 range. Like, they're really close to blue-chip, but not quite there yet. Um, but, uh, you know, that does elevate them over other guys in that range. But, for example, Marvin Harrison Jr., if he's a 9.5, the gap is large enough that he's in the next bracket up, and so he's going to keep yeah. that number one spot. But I think this class, you know, there's a lot of talent at the top, non-QBs uh, going going for that. And I, I wanted to ask you about the offense tackles because you've got Alt as your OT1, too. Uh, I really like the Alt respect. I really like, you know, what he's shown this year. And for me personally, it just it kind of boiled down to 6'8", 315. The dude is an elite athlete. I think the recovery, athleticism, the flexibility, those are two things that he has that no one else in this class can match. And then you look at his technique, his footwork, uh, you know, playing with controlled lean and leverage. Uh, the knee bend for his size and the combative hands too. I think he's shown development there too. Uh, for me personally, like there's a decent gap within this 10 range. Like Alt was uh, number four for me and then Olu was seven. So I think, you know, I still mm-hmm. think it's it's kind of up to opinion. But for me, Alt has made a really strong case to be the OT1. Yeah, for me, it's kind of the difference between what I saw. And, and honestly, the Ohio State game for both players. 
has a lot of weight in how I evaluated these two players because I saw the, the growth of Joe Alt, especially the the ability to anchor, where that's where you kind of lost it a little bit with Olu, especially in the fourth quarter going against JT. And I don't think that JT is a phenomenal pass rusher by any means, but he does have fantastic power. And that's something that at the NFL level, if somebody is able to walk you back into the quarterback's lap, you're going to get beat up at the next level because there are a lot more guys like JT at the NFL level than there are at the college level. Mm -hmm. So for me, that that made a a little bit of a difference, but it's the, the age at the position and the growth that we have seen, the consistent growth that we have seen from Joe Alt that put him over the top for me now. We should move on to uh, 11 through 20 before we get into too much of a conversation and Real we're quick, rushing at also, the end of the pod. Brock Bowers, number two. Just talk I, about I that love for him. a second. I, I, just, I love him. I love everything about him. I, I think he is one of the most special prospects that I have seen. And if it wasn't for Marvin Harrison Jr., I would have no issues putting him at the top of any other draft class that I've seen recently. And it comes down to the fact that I think that I can use him as a weapon not just in the passing game, not just as a blocker. I can move him around. I can give him the ball on handoffs. He is such a fantastic offensive weapon because of what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. He is a very, very special player, and I don't think that we've really seen somebody with his overall versatility at that position. And, and you know, I think that when you look at Kyle Pitts, he was a fantastic receiver. He was obviously has an eight-foot wingspan and fantastic speed. He's a downfield threat. But Bowers is a three-level threat as a wide receiver. You can hand him the ball. He's powerful. He's elusive. He's creative with the ball in his hands as well. I just think that there's so many ways that a good offensive coordinator at the next level can use him to emphasize him and really get him into that 12, 1,300-yard range every year on top of giving giving him 10 to 20 carries a year. So that's why I have him so high. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I got Malik Neighbors at 5, too, for kind of a similar deal, right? I think the three-level yeah. threat framework is definitely there with him, six foot 200. I was I was trying to come up with wide receiver comps, and Dalton and, and Ian Valentino know, know this. I, I get annoying when I get into my wide receiver comp phase because – there, there are so many wide receivers to go back through in NFL history. Mm. You know, it's a really large sample size to go through. So, you know, I, comps can be they can be bad if you force them. But I like to try and like, you know, it, it's another way to communicate what I see to people. So it's like if I can do that more efficiently, the comps are a great way to do that. I was going down this rabbit hole, man. And uh, Sterling Sharp from the Packers back in like the early the, nine, the 90s and stuff like that. I was watching some tape of him and I was like. I kind of see neighbors, man. I don't want to force it because he was on a Hall of Fame pace before he got it. He got he had that uh, career ending, you know, injury stretch. But um, the explosiveness, the density, the the physicality, we talked about that in the summer. The dude wants all the smoke. I mean, he is always going to out physical you, even at his size, the contact balance, the route running ability, the, the throttle control to suddenly accelerate and just take advantage of open space. And then the ball tracking ability, the body contortion too. like neighbors. If Harrison Jr. was not in this class. He would be my wide receiver one and by a decent margin, decent margin. There's still a ton of talent at the top, but neighbors to me is really he just embodies that three level threat framework in all the right ways. And I think, you know, people kind of he kind of gets lost under Harrison's shadow, but still a blue chip wide receiver prospect for me, too. So a few offensive playmakers in the top 10 range uh, that are really, really enticing. Let's get on on to 11 through 20. I know you're pivoting to that. You want me to go first with this range or you want to go first? Uh, Yeah, you can you can go first. All right, let me get back to that tab real quick and then get back to my tab. All right, so 11 through 20 on my big board. I've got Rome Adunze at number 11, Dallas Turner at number 12, Kool-Aid McKinstry at 13, Keon Coleman at 14, Nate Wiggins at 15, Tyrion Arnold at 16, 
Number 17 is Chop Robinson, Emeka Egbuka, 18. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., my LB1 at number 19. And then Princely Uman Milan, edge rusher from Florida at number 20. Dalton, who you got? Love the list. I also have Rome Odunze, uh, Odunze at 11. I have Talise Fuaga at 12. Kool-Aid McKinstry at 13. Dallas Turner at 14. Terion Arnold at 15. Chop Robinson at 16. Cooper DeGene at 17. Nate Wiggins at 18. Jaden Daniels at 19. And J.J. McCarthy at 20. And yes, that is me cheating with those two and having their tags touch. I, I do that every time, honestly. And with this QB class, it's really all you can do because I don't know if any of them have separated themselves from the pack. Before we get into the QBs, a couple position groups that really stand out to me within this range on both of our boards, Edge and CB. And the Edge yep. 1 conversation, the CB 1 conversation, it's getting a little more cluttered. I know we were talking about Terry and Arnold this past week. You were like, hey, I just did a scouting report. This dude is legit, right? You know, he's been growing mm-hmm. a lot this year. Nate Wiggins is in that conversation aside from that one big completion he had uh, allowed against Tez Walker. I thought he locked Walker down and he showed the vertical speed to contend with him, right? So he's rising up the list too. Uh, you've got other players as well. CB1, Edge1, talk to me about your thoughts parsing through those position groups because it, it feels like it's getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, it is really tough. And I think it kind of all depends on what you need as a defense. If you run a lot of man coverage, if you want guys that are going to get up and press, I don't think that Kool-Aid is your guy. I think that he would be able to do the job at a, at a high level, but I think guys like Nate Wiggins, guys like uh, Terion Arnold are just a little bit better when it comes to just the, the natural athleticism and fluidity that comes with being a man coverage corner. I think Kool-Aid might be one of the most intelligent defenders I've ever watched, um, especially in zone coverage. Um, and, and another guy like that is Cooper, um, somebody who I think you know could be an unbelievable safety because of how intelligent he is on the back end. I mean, also his size and ability to come up and make plays as a tackler. That's another reason why I want him at safety as well. But uh, I think that you're really looking at a group of four or five guys um, that can play the position depending on what you need. And I don't think that you really need to go out of your way to you know, overdraft a guy um, because I think that they're going to be there for the taking uh, in the you know 10 to 20 range. Yeah, and that's kind of an interesting conversation to have is that if there's multiple guys in the CB1 conversation, you know, are teams really going to reach for that first guy? Or are they going to say, like, hey, there's multiple options here. Maybe I'll take the first guy at a different position where the top end depth isn't quite as great. Uh, you know, we see the, those processes go through every cycle. But um, I want to ask to Terry and Arnold, does he have a CB1 case? Because we know he's kind of been coming yeah. on really quickly in the media side. You and I, we've been, you know, we've been watching him all the way back to that Texas game, right? Where we knew we we had that conversation. This is a guy who has all the talent in the world, right? If he can, if things can click for this guy, it's gonna happen. But you and I kind of both agreed at that point, maybe he needs another year. And then he mm-hmm. just put the pedal to the metal. He's like, nope, I'm using this year. You know, we're getting we're we're trending up very quickly. And then now it's gotten to the past few weeks where He's been dominant in coverage, in run support, and you mentioned it. You know, Kool-Aid definitely is is a very smart, intelligent defender. I do have a lot of confidence in his man coverage ability, too. Like, I don't think he's as explosive, quite as fluid as as Arnold. I think Arnold is definitely in that superlative tier there. I still think McKinstry is a very good athlete. And then 
combined with that too, I think the disciplined footwork, the fast feet, the uh, timing with his hip turns, I think the targeted physicality to gather and control receivers too, and then the ball skills as well. You know, I think he has everything that you need to win in man. But if you're in the NFL, the modern NFL, and you're facing athletic freaks at wide receiver, who do you want more, right? I, I look at Terry and Arnold. I look at a guy who throttles up effortlessly. His hinge fluidity yeah. is very, very impressive. The foot speed, everything, all of those athletic qualities are just maybe a notch above McKinstry, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, it's not it, it's not a, a golf that's beyond reproach. Like, I, it's not just like a, an outlier, but it is one of those things where if he has all those in a slightly higher degree, it does add up, right? So you look at that, and then you look at the support ability. I think he's really good at breaking down ahead of tackles. He's really good at combating blocks. Uh, and then his playmaking ability and coverage, too. I mean, all of that is there. We go down the checklist. He's got a CB1 case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And I, I think it's really important to note both of these guys were uh, had the ability to play basketball at Alabama as well. They both ended up choosing football. Um but I think that that basketball background, especially when it comes to Terry on Arnold and man coverage, the patience that he has at the line of scrimmage, I think, is what has really gotten to me the most. Patience, length at the line of scrimmage, but, but that patience and ability to trust your athleticism. It's something that so many guys, they just kind of get a little bit jittery. They, they get a little bit flustered at the line of scrimmage. And then, hey, I got to carry vertically, and then they get their face crossed. And that's something that he just doesn't really allow all that often because he trusts his self. His self. Um, and I think that his eyes are really good in that area of the field as well. But I think, you know, something that you talked about, his support, I think the, the screen game and coming up and making plays and screen game is something that he's really improved upon his trigger his mental trigger has gotten a lot better as well so um not the the unbelievable high-end cornerback class but like you just saw four or five guys in that 10 to 20 range right now let's move on to 21 to 30 you're at it all right this is this is the fun part this is where we really get into that range where you know, everyone agrees on who the top prospects are, you know, to an extent, mm-hmm. right? You know, the order is going to differ. But once we get into the 20, 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, the variance starts to increase as you get farther down the board. It's like a, one of those mathematical functions or something. But it's it's a fun part. I love I love kind of seeing the variance in action. So number 21 for me, wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. I've been really impressed with his game and, you know, ran his grade through. And you start to wonder like, hey. His profile is pretty complete. Is there anything we can really nitpick? So I, I was a big fan of what I saw. Number 22, Layatu Latu from UCLA. Uh, number 23, Quinion Mitchell, Toledo, corner. Number 24, Cooper DeJean. I have him. I, I changed his positional designation from corner to safety after a very deliberate thought process. Uh, I think you can list him either way. Uh, but for me personally, you know, just how with how I think about some other similar prospects and where I have them listed in this class, that was kind of what made, made me make the change. Number 25, Bo Nix, quarterback, Oregon. Number 26, Andrew McCuba, safety, Clemson. Number 27, Denzel Burke, corner, Ohio State. Another very good corner who I think has gotten a little overlooked, but he's been playing very well this year. Number 28, Jared Verse, edge rusher from Florida State. Number 29, Tyleek Williams, defensive tackle from Ohio State. And number 30, Troy Fatanu, offensive lineman, Washington. Dalton, what does your 21 to 30 range look like? Number 21, Layatu Latu. Edge rusher from UCLA, 22, Amarius Mims, offensive tackle from Georgia, 23, Amika Egbuka, wide receiver, Ohio State, number 24, Princely Uman Milan, uh, edge rusher from Florida, number 25, Adonai Mitchell, wide receiver, Texas, number 26, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver, South Carolina, number 27, Jared Verse, edge, Florida State, number 28, Kamari Lassiter, 
cornerback Georgia, 29, Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver, LSU, and then number 30, Cameron Kitchens, safety, Miami of Florida. Now, the, the one big question I have for you, because we, we talk so much in the wide receiver podcast about A.D. Mitchell, mm-hmm. I was surprised that you had Brian Thomas Jr. graded higher than him. What was the different differentiation between the two in the end? Yeah, well, you as you know, like I, I watch prospects and I have a good impression of them, right? And I'm always updating that impression. So after that podcast, I did circle back and it's like I, I know I'm going to have a high grade on him. And you will see Adnan Mitchell in my top 50. You'll actually see him in the next range. So it's not like he's super far down the board now. But I was talking about him and it's like, all right, I know Adnan Mitchell is very good. But maybe I do need to watch a little more Brian Thomas Jr. I need to really strengthen my impression of him. I had a good impression, but I wanted to watch more. And when I watched him and when I watched more of Mitchell as well, I think Mitchell in in this uh, TCU game in particular, there were a few times where down the field, uh, his deep tracking ability, the the effort late in in, uh, routes, I think can be a little more can be a little better for him. I do think the route running, the agility and twitch is definitely there, the foot speed. But again, I think overarching consistency is still something that Mitchell can improve a little bit. I do think the the brunt of the issue is chemistry with him and Quinn Ewers, and I think part of that kind of seeps into the, the consistency. But I do think there is room for Mitchell to kind of reach that heightened level of consistency. And then I look at Brian Thomas Jr.'s tape. I think he has that both as a route runner and as a catcher at the catch point. I think you know his ability to offset defenders and just explode out of stems is very impressive. I think he has superior. I think he has a little bit better deep speed now that I've watched them both in depth. I think you know I do think both of them have that vertical gear, but I think Brian Thomas Jr. is maybe a little bit better. I think his strides are a little bit quicker in that phase. I think he does have that, and then you know the way that he can stack defensive backs is very impressive. The ball tracking ability over his shoulder, right, in in situations of imbalance. Uh, to me, Brian Thomas Jr., the more that I look at his tape, I think Adonai Mitchell, you know, has they, – they both have, like, if you're looking at size, speed guys with route running ability, they both fall within that category. But that heightened degree of consistency and fluidity – I do think Brian Thomas Jr. might have the edge there from me. And he's explosive. You know, he's very nuanced already. The ball tracking ability, the red zone ability as well. You know, this is a guy who mm-hmm. right away can have a go-to move in the NFL. That was very valuable for me. So they're both in my top 50. They're both in my top 40. But um, when I watched again and kind of updated my my impression of those guys, I was like, wait a minute. You know, maybe I didn't give Thomas enough credit in those areas. The other thing that I think that we have to talk about about this range is – Edge five for me, Jared Verse. What has happened this year for both of us and for, I think, many people? Because when I did my two-round what-I-would-do mock draft, I had him falling to the second round. And it's not that I don't think he's a good player because I do think that he's a good player. But there are, in my opinion, clear flaws with his game that are going to cap his ceiling at the next level. I think that his hands are really good. I think that he plays with good power. But the the lack of flexibility is really going to limit what he can do at the next level. I think that you have to have that ability because he has the explosiveness to win off the edge and win the arc. But it's that ability to delete that rush angle that really gets into the mind of quarterbacks and really affects them at a high level. And I just, I don't think that he has that part of his game. And so he ends up for me being more of, you know, a a guy like Montez Sweat, who great run defender, good power player, great length, but 
the, that lack of, of bend makes him way less of a danger on a down-to-down basis. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. Yeah, and I think that was something that we kind of caught on really early in the year because his production has started to take up a little bit, right? But still not nearly at the level it was last year. And so you go to the tape, all right, what is the issue here? Because his hands are good. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. that in the preseason. Like, I, I think at his best, he's one of the best technicians in this class, right? I, I think consistency this year has been a little bit more of an issue. But what's really the cause of this of this detraction? And you look at, you know, the tape this year. I think the hip flexibility in particular is a really big issue. I think when he has enough space, he has enough ankle flexion to work around blocks when he has enough space to, you know, employ his reach. But when he doesn't have that and when he needs to roll under those blocks and like you said delete those rushing angles he just does not have the hip flexibility to do that i think he's really stiff in the midsection in particular and that can be a tough ask for you now with that said you can be successful with that i think that was one of the knocks that i had on Kayvon thibodeau when he was coming out really explosive really forceful hands but i don't think the hip flexibility was elite with him i do think it was a little better with him uh but yeah. that said I, I i didn't think it was elite so I was, that was a minor concern that i had with him he's gone on to become successful because the pursuit speed you know the hand force the explosiveness I and mean, all those things you know that kind of counteracts that non-elite trait but with versa i do think it's a little bit more of an issue because we see him get hung up so many times at the apex I, and at the same time too when you're comparing him to these other edge rushers at the very top of the board Dallas Turner, super young. Chop Robinson, pretty young. Princely, very young. Jared Verse is going to be a 24-year-old rookie. So you have that longer developmental track with these guys. And then Verse also has not a live, not a liability, right? But his his bend is very average to me. You know, he's very Mm -hmm. explosive. He's powerful. He's great with leverage. Like you said, he's a good hand fighter, a good run defender, but that bend is not something that he'll be able to win with in the next level. So you're going to have to counteract that somewhere across the board. And being as old as he is, you know, he might be largely set in his ways. So if I'm banking on someone in this edge class, it's the younger guys who are more fluid, more flexible. I think Turner, Uwen Midlin, Robinson, Laiatu Latu as well, even though he's going to be older, the medicals will be a concern for some. He definitely has that high-level ankle flexion, hip flexibility, which he can use to finish rushes after winning one-on-one with his hands. So, you know, it's a very important finishing trait that Verse does not have compared to these other guys. All right. We are at 30 minutes already, and we have a lot more to get through. So let's get to it. Number 31 through 40. I'm going to start this one. Number 31, Landon Jackson, edge rusher from Arkansas. Number 32, I have Kalen Carson, cornerback from Wake Forest. Number 33, I have Bo Nix, quarterback, Oregon. 34, I have Cedric Van Pran. Offensive center from Georgia. 35, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., linebacker from Clemson. 36, I have Kalen King, cornerback Penn State. Number 37, Andrew Makuba, safety Clemson. Number 38, Kalen Bullock, safety USC. Number 39, Tyler Newman, safety Minnesota. And then number 40, I have Denzel Burke, cornerback Ohio State. And if you guys noticed, I had three safeties in a row. It's because I like all three of them, but uh, don't really have a final opinion on any of the three at 31 for me i got troy franklin wide receiver oregon number 32 cameron kitchens miami safety number 33 byron murphy the second defensive tackle from texas number 34 amarius mims tackle from georgia number 35 kaylin king corner from penn state 36 rb1 travion henderson ohio state 37 adnai mitchell 38 barrett carter linebacker clemson 39 leonard taylor the third defensive tackle from miami and 40, Jaden Daniels, quarterback, LSU. Dalton, 
three safeties within that range. Talk to me about what you saw, because obviously that's where it clusters up in the safety class. Newbin's a great player. Uh, you know, Makuba's the guy that I really like as well. So talk to me about those guys. Yeah, Makuba's an interesting one because he's a guy who I think could could play in the slot right away at the next level. And then he also has more than enough production as a back-end safety to, to make me feel comfortable about him in a, a split field or even as a single high guy. I think that he has foot speed and athleticism to do it. I would like to see a, a little bit more of the range ability at, at playing as a single high guy, but you don't get a lot of that with him. Uh Kalen Bullock, on the other hand, is a guy that you do get a lot of that at. And then with Tyler Newbin, it's just about the playmaking, man. It's something about a Minnesota safety who is able to come up, make plays, really turn the ball over a lot. So it's it's three guys who I need to get my eyes on all three of them more, but three guys who I think have a, a ton of potential at the next level. And it's a league that I think is going to start valuing that position a lot more. Nice. Yeah, a lot of safeties is kind of a pick your poison type class. A lot of guys who have those varied skill sets. One guy that I want to shout out within this range for me is Murphy, the second from Texas. I, w- I, I was going to ask you about him. Yeah, so, real quick, because yes. I know I get long winded and I know we don't have as very much time, but yeah. he's, you know, 6'1", over 300, almost maybe 305, 310 within that range. Super streamlined and compact for that size. I think it has good proportional length. I think he's super explosive. I love the motor that he plays with fighting through contact. His hands and arms are always active. I think the torque reloading capacity that he has is really impressive. And uh, then the pursuit speed as well. Watching him and Tavondre Sweat play off of each other yeah. is so fun to watch. I think Byron Murphy the second can be one of the best disruptors in this class immediately on day one. And, you know, I haven't run his grade yet, but there's a chance that he he lands in the round one range for me. So I don't know if he I don't know if he will declare. We'll see if he does. But on my board, there's definitely a case for him to do so, because I think you're looking at a high level two phase threat on the interior right away. So uh, really fun DT class in general. But let's get on to 41 and 50, close out the top 50 and then get through some analysis here. Dalton, you first. Uh, Who would you have in that range? At number 40, I have, or wait, did I say 40? Yeah, I already said 40. Yeah, four, Sorry, my 41. Bad. 41, uh, Jordan Morgan, offensive tackle from Arizona. 42, Lad McConkey, wide receiver, Georgia. 43, running back one, Travion Henderson, Ohio State. Tavion Sanders, tight end from Texas, is number 44. 45 is Troy Franklin, wide receiver, Oregon. I know a lot of people will be upset with that, but I do not care. Number 46, Barrett Carter, linebacker, Clemson. Number 47, Troy Fontenot, guard, tackle, whatever you want him to be from Washington. Uh, Number 48, Carson Beck, quarterback, Georgia. Number 49, Edrin Cooper, linebacker, Texas A&M. And 50, I have Bo Braid, safety, Maryland. Some really interesting, in a good way, rankings in there. Some ones that were like, oh, shoot, I didn't think about that. I like that. I like that. 41.50 for me. I got Michael Penix Jr. at number 41. I got J.J. McCarthy at 42. A lot of QBs clustered there. 43, Tyler Newbin, like Dalton said, great player, great playmaker. Um, number 44, Graham Barton, offensive lineman from Duke. Number 45, Lad, or Cedric Van Pran, Georgia. Number 46, Lad McConkey, Georgia. 47, Xavier Worthy from Texas. 48, Trey Benson, Florida State. 49, Cedric Gray from North Carolina, linebacker. And then I got Shadur Sanders at 50. But uh, if he goes back, which is likely at this likely. point, uh, 50, yeah. the next guy would be Carson Beck for me. So that's that's, that's the that's the only reason why I left him out is because I, I think that he is going to go back. But I, yeah. I understand leaving him on until we know for sure. Um, the one thing I wanted to I just wanted to shout out from your last bulk was Leonard Taylor. 
um, somebody who we I think we both had pretty high early on, mm-hmm. um, and I have dropped back just because I haven't seen him specifically a ton, but the athleticism and the potential with him has always been very much at the forefront, very easy to see with him. Is that more of a potential pick off of the athleticism? Have you seen like a ton of him this year? to really get a better feel of like, hey, he is making an impact, even if that impact hasn't always shown up on the stat sheet. Just just real quick, give me the, the lowdown on t- Taylor this year. Yeah, I do think his impact is not accurately represented by the statistical output this year. I think he's one of the most explosive first step defensive tackles in this class. I think he has a really another, again, a really streamlined frame. You know, he's pretty lean for being 6'3", 305. You don't expect him to look as lean as he does, but he does pack a lot of power and strength within that frame. Uh, I don't know if he has the flexibility to be a guy who's stunting across alignments, but I think as a even front defensive tackle, I think the explosiveness, the ability to just, you know, surge through gaps, but then also deconstruct blocks with that really efficient, refined strength is really impressive for him. So I think there is room for him to gain consistency. But for me, the tools are, are at a high enough level. And also the leveraging is at a more as at a natural enough level that I'm willing to bank on that. So he's a very he's a top 50 talent for me all the way. Uh, 41 through 50. Any guys that you want to shout out within this range? I know Edgar and Cooper is a guy that we've been a, we've been a fan of since uh, that dominant showing you had a couple weeks ago uh but this is kind of that range where some of your guys start to see through i know carson beck is the guy that showed yeah, up on and, yours and, and mine and that's what i did at the the end of the top 50 here is there were a bunch of guys that i was looking at i mean uh, trey benson and cooper Beebe were were right there byron murphy was there ruka or 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 horo we're all there um and I just I wanted to to because I don't have the the final grades for any of these guys yet. Yeah. I wanted to get in some of my guys. Um, Carson Beck, somebody who has really started to play at a, a really high NFL level recently after some really ugly play early in the season. When I say ugly, I mean like just not ready to play in the first half of football games. Just really inconsistent mm-hmm. early in the year, but he's playing a lot better. Edron Cooper just he, he just keeps making plays, and I can't stop watching him. He's so much fun. Um, He's got great length, great athleticism. I, I love those kind of long, lanky guys at linebacker. I think that it fits the modern mold really well. He's able to get himself into passing lanes, and he makes every single tackle that he tries to. And then with Bo Braid, Bo Braid's somebody who, as I watch more of these safeties and watch just more of him in general from tape, because I, I keep watching Maryland play in these Big Ten games, but I haven't watched a ton of his all 22 yet and really focused on him. But what I've seen from him in the live viewings is that the dude just makes plays just right there. He's always right there. His trigger is unbelievable coming downhill. I think that he's got good range as well. So those are, are some of the guys who uh, I wanted to shout out. Michael Penix Jr. just missed out for me. And let's talk about some of the guys that just missed out, guys that we wanted to get in before we get out of here. For me, always McKinley Jackson. Always. I, I, I love him. I love everything about him. Bucky Irving, I wish I could have gotten him into the top 50, but he's at number 65 for me. DJ James is a, another cornerback, and Josh Newton is another guy who DJ James not small as in height, but, but very light. And then Josh Newton, somebody who is very small, um, but is uh, more of a, he's not very small, he's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, somewhere, but a smaller corner who just knows how to play the position at a high level. But how high do you draft him? Do you just throw him in the slot? Kind of tough to do these days because even the slot is, you know, kind of moving towards bigger guys, tight ends a lot of the time. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of have maybe a DJ Reed type of, of career at the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a good football player. I was yeah. actually watching more of A.D. Mitchell tape, you know, when I was talking about that process. He played TCU, and Josh Mitchell was a guy who drew him a lot, and he mm-hmm. really locked down A.D. Mitchell. I mean, not just, the, you know, obviously the foot speed and the discipline, technique, and man, but on that vertical pass, when Mitchell kind of faded out, a big reason why he faded out is because Josh Newton transitioned perfectly in open field and then crowded him downfield like, hey, you're not getting past me. Like, I'm getting yeah. getting into your frame, and I'm playing you physical, even being at the size. He's just a good football player, just a good cornerback. And you draft those guys on day two for sure. Uh, so I think he can be a really good football player at the next level. There were too many guys to count for me, guys that I wanted mm-hmm. to get in my top 50. Man, it was insane. Uh, but I'm just going to go down the list here, names that kind of stand out to me. You know, obviously the guys that you mentioned, I think a few that I'm going to mention that are kind of uh, new ones, Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon and Zach Frazier from West Virginia, two centers who are really, really good. I think Frazier could be the top center in the class. I still have Van Prant higher right now, but when I finalize grades, there's a chance that he passes him because Frazier is super athletic, super uh, physical, flexible at 6'3", 305, really good at sealing those interior lanes after getting to the second level. I really like the intelligence in uh, in the athleticism and how that mixes together for him. And then Powers Johnson is the athletic, the mauler, right? This is a guy who gets out in space and he will finish blocks. He will pave open lanes for runners and watching him. And yeah, it's just a really fun uh, to watch him. We're watching him and Bucky Irving. I forgot the name for a second, even though he just said it. But um, that's a great combination to have too. And then farther down the board, Looking at some others, obviously Josh Newton, uh, the wide receivers down here. Jamari Thrash from Louisville is one that I want to shout out because he just got his senior bowl acceptance yesterday. Uh, but a guy who's probably going to be around six foot, 185, but I think he's one of the better equipped ones to produce right away in the NFL. Uh, I think he's a very nuanced, flexible route runner. I think he's very good at, you know, manipulating leverage in open field. I think the hip sync and the explosiveness, the vertical speed is very strong with him. Good hands, good rack ability, contact balance, just every box you need to check. Aside from size, I think Jamari Thrash has it. So another very, very good player for me who got into my top 100. And then two, uh, two more prospects, both FCS guys. Kieran Amagaji from Yale, declared for the NFL draft a couple of days ago. 6'5", 320. The dude's going to have 36-inch arms. He is a, a He's an elite athlete at his size. He's incredibly powerful, very good at recovering. I think he improved his footwork this year before a quad injury knocked him out. Uh, I think he has one of the highest ceilings in this OT class. He went at 89 for me. And then number 90, Kendall Bowler, cornerback from Florida A&M. This is a guy that I am planting my flag on. Watching his tape is so fun. I mean, the dude is explosive, incredibly explosive. I think he was on Feldman's Freaks list with a a 40-yard dash in the four threes, I think a 40-inch vertical, right? So a broad jump, probably near 11 feet. So this guy is as explosive as they come. He darts downfield. He's a blink. And then in man coverage, too, he's like a firecracker. The foot speed is so impressive. Uh, very good, very disciplined at you know changing directions and managing space and off man and zone too. And then he's a playmaker, one of the most productive FCS defenders that we've seen over the past couple of years. He can play safety too. He started at safety earlier in his career. Uh, Kendall Bowler for me is one guy that I'm looking at. If you need an absolute wild card for your defense on day two, uh, I'm definitely running up that card because he's a playmaker in every sense of the word. Two more guys I wanted to bring up. Quinion Mitchell, the cornerback from Toledo. He was at number 52. I, I love him. I just want to watch more of him. But mm-hmm. that, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds, super athletic, that'll play in the NFL level yeah. all day. I had him at 23 day. for that reason, man. The elite yeah. recovery speed, the ball skills. The dude has, like, 
seven interceptions, like yeah. uh, over almost 30 pass deflections over the past two seasons. Uh, he's he's physical and man, he's great in zone, great eyes, great reaction speed, um, everything that you need to be to carry on those ball hawking tendencies in the NFL. And then the other one for me, uh, Xavier Worthy, I had him at number 57. He fell out of my top 50, but still I think he's a really good player. Now, that's it. That's all we got for you guys today. We are running out of time. You guys know that we love to talk, but we, we actually love did to pretty be, good today. Yeah, we love to be educational with this, but we also like to have fun. And, and I hope that the amount of fun that we do have doing this podcast shows in, in the product here because this is – like our Super Bowl every week. All of the draft work that we do throughout the week, we get to really show our knowledge and have a little bit of fun during this podcast. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. Hope that you guys are giving us five stars. I hope that you guys are getting into the YouTube comments and leaving nice comments and leaving five-star reviews. Have a little fun with it. And as always, guys, I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.